All right, welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez. On Thursday, May 2nd, 2019, uh, start of a brand new month. So uh, there's that. We were one step closer, one day closer to the uh, NBA Finals, the end of the NBA season, one day closer to the beginning of NFL season, fantasy football, um, and one step closer to eventually the World Series in October. So it's uh, you know there's always something to look forward to. One step closer to the FIBA World Cup. I cannot wait for the uh, basketball World Cup this year. Uh, spoiler alert: Team USA is going to win. I can pretty I can pull out the psychics. That's one of the easiest, one of the cheapest psychic steves I've ever done because Team USA is going to win the whole thing. But I can't wait. Nonetheless, I love international play. I love the Olympics. I mean, I can watch basically any sport in the Olympics and have, you know, tons of fun watching it, but especially basketball, you know, my favorite sport, watching international play, tons of fun, but uh, that's not what we're here to talk about, that's, you know, we're getting off track, um, I don't know what we're going to talk about, it's been a relatively slow week, I know last week, I want, first off, I want to give a, a big shout out, big thanks to uh, uh, Ben Babadook for uh, stopping by and joining me for last week's show, I had, I had so much fun, um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we kind of, uh, not kind of, we did definitely veer off path. Did a lot of MCU stuff. Uh, some of our predictions, I'm not going to, we're not going to recap and, you know, do another Avengers thing this week because, well, number one, Ben's not here. And number two, um, we're, you know, I know a lot of people still have not seen the movie. It's been out as of today, officially one week. Um, and it's already the sixth highest grossing film of all time. Um, and it's only been one week, and technically not even a full week because the movie technically came out on Friday, even though a lot of people saw it on Thursday. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, it's only been out one week. I know a lot of people still have not seen it, so in case you haven't, we're not going to talk about what happened. But I will say, a lot of our predictions in last week's episode, if you didn't if you didn't listen to it, it was a great episode, had tons of fun. Go back and listen to that to come back right where you left off here. Uh, a lot of our predictions actually came true. So, you know, Psychic Steve and a little bit of uh, the protege, Psychic Ben. Or maybe, you know, one step down from... Because I'm the psychic. I'm the psychic around these parts. He's like the young protege that, you know, one, so what's one step down from a psychic? Maybe a prophet? Or I don't know. A prophet might be one step up. I'm not sure. But he's not on my level. But I, I'm training him in, in the psychic uh, way. Anyway, we had tons of fun last week. And outside of that, the Avengers thing, there hasn't been much going on. There's NBA playoffs. I know you're thinking, we'll talk about that. There's plenty of games going on. Yeah, there's games. And, you know, they're, they're playoff games, so they should be exciting. But there's not many stories. There's really not much intrigue in any of these series. The one series that was supposed to, supposed to be interesting were the Rockets and the Warriors. And so far, the Warriors are already up 2-0. That series is done. It's over. I thought... Even after game one, I didn't feel like I didn't go full Paul Pierce and declare it over after a 1-0 lead. I thought Houston would come back and get him game two. Uh, the James Harden injury, I'm not holding anything against James Harden because I, for one, am very sensitive towards eyeballs. Like if, if someone has like a red eye or they say my eye is itching, I have something in my eye, I immediately start crying. My eyes get red. I, I cannot tolerate any, any action. near. If someone says, look me in my eye, like just talking to me or just like, hey, look, is there something in my eye? I immediately start tearing. I can't watch people put on their contact lenses. I mean, it just makes my bones, it makes my skin crawl. Like it, it, it's disgusting. Not that it's disgusting. I just can't tolerate it. Like I cannot watch people put on contact lenses. It makes me 
cringe. So when I saw James Harden, they said his eyeball was bleeding. I gave him every pass in the world. He could have not, I mean, he could be out for the next month and a half, but I would say totally free pass for James Harden. Uh, he ended up coming back in the game, did not play at full strength. Again, he was bleeding from his eye. I think we'd all give him a pass for that one. Um, and they fell down. They're down 2-0 now. And I do think the series is over. Will they win one in Houston? Yes. It's not going to be a sweep. I don't think it will be a five-game series. But I, I do think it's over. I don't think there's any way you're coming back. <clears throat> excuse me. You're coming back down 0-2 against perhaps the greatest basketball team this planet has ever seen. So there, that was the one series that was supposed to be interesting. And it has not been interesting to this point. It really hasn't. There's been... The first game was it was competitive, but you know the officiating got in the way. Then the last game it was competitive, and then uh, Draymond Green went Mortal Kombat and just ripped James Harden's eyes out of their socket. Like it, there's there's been you know there's been two instances where it's it's dampened the series. It's taken away from the game, so that's kind of deflating. The Celtics and the Bucks, um, the best two teams in the East, but the games are boring. The games are just no fun to watch. The first game was a, a Boston blowout. It was over at halftime. Uh, maybe not so much the score, but just the, the tempo of the game, the, moment, the momentum, it was over. Last game, the uh, Bucks beat the Celtics 123-102. Another blowout, like really just uninteresting. The Trailblazers and the Nuggets, as much as I love Damian Lillard, and they won that game last night, it's not an, intri- it's not an intriguing series. It really isn't. I can't get... As much as I, and it's it's kind of ironic because I love Damian Lillard, one of my favorite players. Nikola Jokic, I, maybe the best young center in all of basketball, you know, excluding Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis in a class all by himself. But I think personally, Nikola Jokic, I'm part of that better than Embiid, uh, you know, tandem in the NBA. I do think Nikola Jokic is a better player than Joel Embiid. And yet there's no, I have no interest in watching this, this series. So what is that? And then, oh, tonight, the Raptors and the Sixers, that game, that series is really boring. It's a tied series. And I haven't found, I mean, so all the series so far, it's kind of ironic. They're all great teams. All the series are pretty much evenly matched, and they're all unwatchable. So it's like, what the heck do I, t- I had no idea what I was going to talk about this week. Ben declined for a second appearance on the show. Uh, there's no football. I mean, I don't want to talk about the draft. Because we didn't talk about the draft last last week. We're not going to talk about it this week. Some baseball stuff. I don't know. What do you guys want to talk about? Then it kind of came down on me. I was And here's one. I was thinking, you know, potential, you know, storyboarding, I guess. What are we going to talk about? Um, who Who's had the best postseason? Kevin Durant in, in basketball. Well, obviously, that's the only postseason going on. Unless you want to talk postseason hockey, which I don't think you do. Who's had the best postseason so far in the NBA? Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, or Nikola Jokic. I would actually throw him in that conversation as well. And then last night, Damian Lillard had not a horrendous game, but not spectacular. And I would say the same for Nikola Jokic. So the answer to that question is definitively Kevin Durant. And so I thought, okay, so there goes that. Now now what? And I figured, why not just stay on Kevin Durant? Why not talk about... Kevin Durant, he's, he's the most interesting player, I would say, in the, in the postseason. On the most exciting team in the postseason. And oh, by the way, he himself is the most exciting storyline going into the summer. Where is he going to play? Is he going to be in, or not even Oakland, is he going to be in San Francisco next year? Is he going to be in New York? 
Is he going to be in Los Angeles? Is he going to be in Toronto? Nobody knows outside of maybe not even Kevin Durant. Um, so I thought, and then the, you know, the target, the rumored teams for Kevin Durant were you know, basically the Knicks, the Warriors, and the Clippers. And I thought none of those are really exciting. And none of those teams outside of the Warriors are even really that great. Except unless the Clippers get Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant, in which case that would be bananas. They'd instantly be the best team in the whole league. It'd be, it'd be ridiculous. But other than that, I thought none of those teams are really quite interesting. Why are those the only three teams that are rumored? And then I thought, okay, we're kind of on track here. We have somewhat of a story. I'm going to give you, I don't know how many teams. I'm going to give you a number of teams, more than one, but less than 30. Um, that, I'm going to give you that many teams that would be not only better basketball teams, but more interesting if Kevin Durant signed with those teams, you know, more than one or less than 30. It would be, Kevin Durant would be more interesting if he signed with those teams. So I figured, okay. Here we go. We have something to start off the show with. So here we go. Here are some teams that I think, not necessarily that he will go to, because again, Kevin Durant is going to do what Kevin Durant wants to do. And I, I don't know what he wants to do. I don't even think he knows what he wants to do at this moment in time. So that, to speculate where will he go, it's just um, it, it's pointless, because you're not going to be able to guess based on any given logic, because Kevin Durant just does what he wants. You know who he is. He's Kevin Durant. But here are the teams that I think he should go to based on intrigue and basketball. Um, most of these are actually playoff teams as well. I'm going to start with the, given, the obvious one, and it's one that I've been peddling for for maybe a few months now. Uh, in New York, but not necessarily the Bronx. The Brooklyn Nets. In my estimation, in my personal opinion, the Brooklyn Nets have to be the most intriguing free agency landing spot for all players in the free agency market this year. Do you not agree? They're in a big market. They're in New York. They have a good young team. You have D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, who I think is a, I mean, a fantastic rim pretender, fa- protector, fantastic young center. They have enough cap space to bring in, you know, a superstar, maybe two if they really kind of work things around. Um, and they control all their draft picks moving forward. I don't understand, and it's kind of, and I, I think I do understand why the Knicks are ahead of the Nets in terms of free agency landing spots. Because they're the New York Knicks. It's kind of like the Lakers and the Clippers. The Lakers, for all intents and purposes, should not even be in the top five or top six or seven of most free agents potential lists of you know where they're going to go the Lakers are a mess and things are only going to get worse Monty Williams looks like he's going to take the Suns job over the Lakers so that it's only going to get worse for them why are the Lakers are even why are they even in the conversation because they're the Lakers even though the Clippers are in Los Angeles as well and they're not it's not even like the Knicks and the Nets where they're in a different part of the town they play in the same arena they're in the same building and yet you hear more talk about the Lakers in free agency than you do the Clippers because they have the name. And that's the same situation that's going on in the East Coast in New York. The Knicks are, they're a horrendous team. There's a reason why they have the worst record in the league. They're not good at basketball. And they haven't been good at basketball for almost 20 years now. They really haven't. I mean, they've been so, and then you have to deal with 
James Dolan, the most incompetent owner in all of sports, why would you go to the Knicks? Go to the Nets. You get to play in the brand new, the beautiful Barclays Center. You get a big market team in, in New York. You're the man of the team. You have D'Angelo Russell um, and Jared Allen, but they are not Kevin Durant. You have a chance to play in the Eastern Conference. Um, with, you know, And I don't even think the Eastern Conference is the Eastern Conference anymore in the sense that it's the weaker conference. I think they're going to see a changing of the guards a little bit. Uh, the West is going to kind of drop down in terms of competition, and the East is going to rise up because you have the Bucks, who are, I mean, they're only going to get better. The Celtics, the same thing, especially if they add players. Um, the Raptors, we'll throw them in there because you don't know what Kawhi Leonard is going to do. Uh, the Sixers, I think they're going to be able to retain their young core. Who else is? Uh, who else am I leaving out there? There's someone else in the East that uh, I'm forgetting here. But the East, is, I think, is going to be a deeper conference in the West. And in the West, it's just the Warriors, the Rockets, and really that's it. You know, the Trailblazers, they're good right now, but do we consider them in the upper echelon? of? Um, you know, maybe not. Are they better than the Warriors? Probably not. So um, the East will definitely be more competitive. But who knows? I, I've been wrong before. I could be wrong again. You, you played in the Eastern Conference the first time in your career. Um, and I think the Nets at that point would be the best team in the conference because you have the best player in the conference in Kevin Durant. So, you know, you have a relatively, you know, carved out path to the NBA Finals. You'd have a team that's good enough to compete for titles, but you'd be able to kind of salvage um, your legacy if you're Kevin Durant, no, you don't you don't have to hear about the super team talk anymore. You're on a good team, but not a super team. And the Nets are they're already good. They were in the playoffs this year, and they challenged the 76ers and they and where they really had no business being in the playoffs in the first place. And they pushed the Sixers as much as I mean as much as they can go. They were inexperienced, and the Sixers were the better team, but they gave the Sixers all they can handle. If you put Kevin Durant in that series, that makes a huge difference. So the Brooklyn Nets, I think, has to be the number one free agent landing spot for every, not just Kevin Durant, for everyone. Especially if you're thinking about going to the Knicks, not just Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Why not just go, I don't even know how far it, I don't know anything about the East Coast, but I don't know how far it is from Madison Square Garden. But it's not, the, it's in the same city. If you're really considering going to the Knicks, why? Because they have enough cap space for two stars. You're putting a lot of ifs in there. The Nets have a lot of, foundation they have a lot that they they can prove already they have d'angelo russell like i said uh jared allen they have their draft picks going forward you don't know who the knicks are going to get and even if they do get zion williamson there's no guarantee that zion williamson is the next lebron james as people are you know projecting him to be i like zion williamson but can we pump the brakes a little bit on that the lebron comparisons that's a little bit much you don't know how their number one pick is going to pan out. And then two, you have to wait. Even if they do turn out to be a superstar later you know, in their career, you're going to have to wait at least three or four years for them to develop. The Nets are ready to go. So I would say, number one, the Brooklyn Nets. Number two, this one might catch you by surprise, but when I start to elaborate, uh, it may not be as, a, uh, as surprising of a destination. The Portland Trailblazers. Now, they don't have a lot of money. So I don't think they'll really be in the running for Kevin Durant. But I do think he should give them some consideration. Because the trail, they look like they finally have gotten over the hump. For them, they were never title contenders. I think we can all agree with that. They were always a playoff team, always a very good team. 
But I don't think anyone would have put them in the conversation with the Warriors, the Rockets, the Celtics, maybe even the Raptors and the Sixers. And that's kind of, I'm stretching a little bit. Uh, I don't think the Trailblazers are in that finals contention just yet. And we're talking about them making it over the hump. They just got out of the first round. So they're kind of, it's kind of a plus year for the Trailblazers. Um, and they have, plenty of, they have plenty of postseason experience. It's not much good experience, but experience is experience. Um, if you're Kevin Durant and you go there, the team's already made for you. It's another ready-to-go situation. You have Damian Lillard, who is a superstar. He is Bulk's office, as Stephen A. Smith likes to say. Superstar. You have C.J. McCollum, who you can defer to. He's not, And I think that makes C.J. McCollum even better. If he's no longer your second option, he's now your third option. I feel so much better about C.J. McCollum as your third best player on the team. If he's your second best player, it hasn't, it's not going to work, and it hasn't worked for the Trailblazers as of yet. I mean, they're still in the playoffs, but I don't think they're getting past uh, Golden State. I think they can beat Denver, find themselves in the uh, Western Conference Finals, and then they'll probably ultimately lose to Golden State in like five or six games. But if you add Kevin Durant to that Trailblazers team, I think they are immediately the. I think they're the favorites to win the finals because you get back Nurkic uh, next year, potentially re-sign Enos Cantor. I mean that that's a team, and you have Rod, Rodney Hood. You know he he's now your your bench guy coming off. I mean there's six man. Uh, he had himself a game against Denver last night. They would not have won that game without Rodney Hood because Damian Lillard, like Lillard, like I said earlier, did not play particularly well for his own standards. But if you put Kevin Durant with Damian Lillard. I mean, my good Damian Lillard is. I mean, he's a superstar. He's an absolute box office player. He's probably just as good of a shooter as Stephen Curry. Maybe slightly um, less efficient than Stephen Curry, but he's. I mean, he's clutch. He's more athletic than Stephen Curry. You can't argue that. Um, I, I just love. I would love to see him in Portland. I think that would be a great basketball move for him. I think this would be an even better basketball team than the Nets because the Nets are young. And, you know, there's, unless, you know, the Nets, they can't, they do have the assets to trade for Anthony Davis, in which case you're talking about D'Angelo Russell, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis. I mean, that, I think they're the, definitely the best team uh, in the league, but that, that you're putting a big if on that as well, if they trade for Anthony Davis. I think it's more of a concrete set scenario if he goes to the Portland Trailblazers, because they don't necessarily need to trade for anyone after that. I think they're set. Um, okay, so there's the nut or not the Nuggets, the Trailblazers. Um, who did I say first? I'm already forgetting who I, the Nets. Good lord, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, after that, who are the most interesting teams that Kevin Durant can play for? The Oklahoma City Thunder. How would it? I mean, okay, I didn't say who he would go to, I said who would be the most interesting. How interesting would it be if he pulled a LeBron James, and this is why that's not going to happen either because he doesn't want to be compared to LeBron James, but how interesting would it be if he went to OKC and he formed the triad with Russell Westbrook and Paul George? I think it would be absolutely hysterical. I don't even need to talk about basketball. Any team that Kevin Durant goes to, he's not going to go to the Orlando Magic. Okay, He's not going to go to the Suns or the Knicks. Or actually, the Knicks are on the table, but they're not the best team in the league at that point. I think whatever team he goes to, I think he'll put them over the top number one. I do think he'll go. So, 
Oklahoma City, again, if you put Kevin Durant on that team, they're the best team in all of basketball. It's not even close. I mean, Paul George, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. And Paul George can kind of play multiple, multiple positions. You can move him over the shooting guard, and Kevin Durant could be the small forward again. I mean, how perfect would it be? I'd love to see that first game. Um, I don't even know what their arena is called, but at their first home game in Oklahoma City, how the fans would receive him and how they would kind of welcome him back or maybe not welcome him back uh, at all. And I think it would be just, I mean, I think Russell Westbrook would board up every door and window in their home arena to keep him out at all costs. Would they even be recruiting him? Would they even dare make that call during the summer and try and get him over to Oklahoma City? Um, I mean, again, I did, I'm talking about intrigue here, not realism. Even though the first two, I think, are more, I mean, not I think, they are definitely more of a possibility than Oklahoma City. But tell me that wouldn't be the biggest storyline in all the league next season. Even if Anthony Davis doesn't get traded, we'd be talking about that next year as well. Where is, where is he going in free agency? Is he going to get traded, this and that and the other? But tell me you would not be watching the Oklahoma City basketball games. That would be the craziest story maybe in sports next year. Kevin Durant after, you know, one of the, one of the worst, I don't, even know, I don't know how to explain it properly. Because again, I am a fan of Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. I'm all about player mobility. But one of the most hated, I guess that's a more appropriate word, one of the most hated free agency moves in all of history was Kevin Durant leaving OKC. How would it be perceived if he went back and then brought them a title? Imagine that. Imagine if Kevin Durant actually went back, they'd hate him. They'd probably boo for a while. And then what would they say when they'd win? When they inevitably won the finals. Because I don't see any other team who, who would beat Kevin Durant, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook on the same team. They would, inst- they would win the finals. I would love to see the reaction after that. Would they still shun him? Would they just accept the trophy and not ex- still accept Kevin Durant? It would be very interesting to watch. I really think that would be a lot of fun. I would love... If he went to the Thunder... I would love that movie. I think it'd be so, so much fun and so um, interesting. And that's the, that's the word of the day. This episode is brought to you by the word interesting because it really, I mean, that would be so much fun to watch. Here's another team that might throw you for a loop. And I think it's definitely, the Thunder are the least realistic option. That one is absolutely not happening, but I'd love to see it happen. But here's one that I think, um, again, is interesting. Makes a lot of sense, but I don't think necessarily will happen. I think the only one on this list that has the potential to actually come to fruition are the Nets. I think that's the only one of these teams that's actually, that actually has a chance of signing Kevin Durant. And I think that's where Kevin Durant should go. I do think out of all these teams, I, the Nets are the best option for him um, to compete. Um, you know, to get, be in a big market, this, that, and the other. I think that's the perfect match for everything he's looking for. But here's another team for you. The Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz have been in the playoffs the past two years now. They have a young star point guard in Donovan Mitchell who can shoot the ball. I mean, everyone likes to pay attention. Everyone likes to, you know, talk about his dunks as they should. In spite of Mitchell, he has these crazy, ridiculous dunks. He can shoot the ball. Donovan Mitchell can score from anywhere on the floor. So that is a plus. Um, It's not like you're going, you know, Russell Westbrook to a super athletic point guard who can't really shoot. Uh, you know, when, and when he can't shoot and he's struggling to shoot, your, your, your whole team is struggling to score because he needs the ball to be efficient. That is not the case. Donovan Mitchell 
can shoot the three ball, which takes a lot. I mean, that's just the direction that the NBA is not going. That's the direction that the NBA has gone. We're already there. I shouldn't even have to explain the direction that basketball has gone uh, in the modern era. But you have Donovan Mitchell. You have Joe Ingles, who's another bona fide sniper. You have a great rim protector in Rudy Gobert. The foundation for this team is strong, but they are missing a superstar player. Donovan Mitchell is a star, but not a superstar, not just yet. I think it's only his second year in the league. People forget about that, too. He's only going to get better. You add that that, um, premier wing player, which I think is the formula. I honestly think the formula for a big three is the star guard, the superstar wing player you have to have your small forward you know lebron lebron kevin durant paul george those kinds of guys and then a rim protecting center or maybe not necessarily a rim protector but you need a star big as well and that was kind of the for, uh, the formula that they that miami set in place with lebron's super team they had the guard even though Dwayne Wade wasn't a point guard but he was a shooting guard they had the they had the shooting guard they had the wing and then they had chris bosh uh you know the front court so they had, um, that was the foundation. I kind of like that idea more so than just three guards. You know, like they have in Golden State, which I mean has worked. It's not like it hasn't worked for them. They have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. It's not like it hasn't worked. But I do think if you give Kevin Durant, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert is not a great shooting center. So he's kind of a, more of a traditional big man, more so than the, the modern day big man. But I do think you kind of neutralize a lot um, of the guards in the West, especially Stephen Curry. Yes, he can shoot and all that. We already know how good of a shooter he is. But you clog up the whole lane. Russell Westbrook, the same thing. He's been, he was neutralized was it last year against Rudy Gobert. Could not get into the paint without getting the. I mean, getting his shot sent into the 12th row. You know, you clog up the lane. Uh, you create a lot of problems defensively. And it makes Kevin Durant, who's already a good defender, an even better defender because now he can cheat and really start playing on the ball and try going for steals because if you get by him, you have to run to the brick wall, Rudy Gobert. So I do think the Jazz, while it will not happen because they are one of the smaller markets in the whole league, I do think are a very interesting landing spot for Kevin Durant. You have Joe Ingles who could shoot, Donovan Mitchell who could shoot, Rudy Gobert who can defend, rebound. He has all-star aspirations as we've seen. Uh, Kevin Durant, top two, top three player in the world. I think that team, maybe not necessarily the best team in the whole league, but definitely in the finals conversation. Because you got to think, you're taking Kevin Durant off of the Warriors. So the West gets a little bit more wide open. And I do think that would be um, a scenario where he can, a team that's made to win, but it's not like the Warriors where it's just plug and play four straight finals appearances. I do think... Um, the Jazz are good enough to get him to the finals, but it's not a guaranteed finals win, which is something I think Kevin Durant is looking for, which is, I think that's why the Knicks are in the conversation because they are horrendous. Like, imagine if Kevin Durant saved the Knicks. As bad as they were this year, and then they go to the playoffs or even the finals a year later after, that would definitely boost Kevin Durant's legacy, and I do think he's looking for that. The Jazz are much better than the Knicks, but they're not as good as the Warriors, so I do think that would also help out his legacy. So there you go. There are, was that, three teams, the Jazz, the Nets, and the Trailblazers, three teams that I think are more interesting and better basketball teams than the Knicks and the Clippers. I would, I would, if he goes to the Knicks, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate the move. Like I said, I'm all about player mobility, but it's really not that exciting. It really isn't. The Knicks, I get that they're a classic franchise in the NBA. 
but how many generations have come now and gone since the Knicks were last relevant? The last time they won a title was in the 1970s. I mean, it was how many years ago is that now? 30, like 50, 40, 50 years ago? Like, they're, they're irrelevant today. Especially, and I'm, I mean, I'm young, but I'm not a child. Think about the kids. Now. They don't care. All they know is the Knicks are like the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. Even though the Cleveland Browns are stepping it up, but you get the point I'm trying to make. I don't see how Kevin Durant to the Knicks is relevant. Kids now see New York, the Nets as the premier New York team because they're in the playoffs. They have D'Angelo Russell, who is a star, uh, and they have plenty of cap space, and they're in a big market. I would love to see him go to the Nets. I would really like to see him go to the Thunder just for more you know, stuff to talk about on the show. Uh, and the Jazz, I think, would be a really interesting option as well as far as you know, basketball. I get the, you know, the business side. You're not going to get much media attention in Salt Lake City. But maybe that's a good thing for Kevin Durant. He's been kind of testy. doesn't really like to uh, you know, talk with the media that much. And Oakland is really not a big market. As far as media, it's not LA, it's not New York, it's not even Miami or Houston. So, and he's had, you know, kind of altercations with the media already. I don't know if he's going to enjoy the media going to the Knicks or the Nets as well. I do think there, that might be a plus depending on how they played in Salt Lake City being a smaller market team. And, uh, you know, maybe we don't know what Kevin Durant thinks about the city because he played in the smallest market in the NBA, Oklahoma City. We don't know how he liked that dynamic or how much he didn't like it. Um, but I, I do think that's, that would be a wise angle for the jazz to take to say, Hey, you don't have to deal with any kind of, or not any kind, but you don't have to deal with, you know, media down your throat nonstop. It's a smaller market. Therefore the media is a little bit kinder and a little less harsh than in bigger markets. So there you go. There are the, there are the, what's that? Three, three, four teams that I think are more interesting than the New York Knicks moving on now. I thought we could do, now that it's May, May 2nd officially, I thought we could do a first month recap of the MLB season. And I think there's a lot to talk. I think there's some pretty interesting storylines going on. It's only the first month, but I think there's a lot of interesting um, kind of footnotes and things that are, you know, they've really jumped out at me so far. Um, number one, it's official. I mean, the first month is done. The first month is done. We can officially stop the prefix. It's early, but you don't need to say it anymore. I get that even still is a long time from now, May 2nd until October 2nd, but the season is a full go. We are in the season now and a lot is going to change. The teams that are doing good right now might get worse. Teams that are doing bad right now could get better and jump into the playoff race, but for the most part, we're in, it's, it's the season that started, okay? I don't need to hear anymore. It's early, but, and then whatever you're going to say, stop saying it. Just say what you're going to say now. In the first few weeks, first three weeks, I get it. You know, it's the first few, three or four weeks. That's, it's okay. But now it's been a whole month. It's been a full month of the season. We're in May now. You don't need to say it's early, but. We can put that to bed right now. So now that that is out of the way, there are a few things that I have kind of, you know, that have really interested me. Specifically with pitching. This is the league now where you're either striking out or you're hitting the ball out of the park. There's no, or you're walking. That's the kind of new era of analytics, which I, I mean, 
whatever. It doesn't matter. I, there's been plenty of things as we've seen throughout the show's history. There's been plenty of things that I disagree with, and I usually don't get my way. So it doesn't matter. Do I like home runs? Yes. Are they exciting? Of course. But I do want to see line drive doubles. I want to see a right-handed hitter hit it to right center, get a double, drive in an RBI. But that's not, we don't, we don't live in that era. This is in the 1980s. It's 2019. Um, and, you know, you think, okay, well, the home runs, strikeouts, walks, you think the pitching would be pretty much dominant because home runs don't occur all that often. That could not be any, that's literally the opposite of what's happened. You know, hitters, they are striking out, but we're seeing, I mean, just an uptick in home runs. And last year, I think, was the most home runs hit in an in MLB season ever. This year, the MLB teams are on pace to shatter that record again. I think that'd be like the third or fourth straight year that they've broken the home run record in a row. So, you know, we're hitting home runs at a record pace. Um, analytically speaking, it's better to have, you know, Craig Kimbrell still unsigned. It's more, it, there's more benefits in having a bunch of guys in the bullpen that you can mix and match and use in different scenarios than have one closer. That's what analytics tells us. So it's more important to have, and what analytics analytics has showed us so far this season, in that is that starting pitching does not matter. It literally ha- it does not matter whatsoever. You got to have a strong bullpen if you want to win, and just good enough starting pitching. And the reason I say, and you think, you know, the old saying in baseball was starting pitching wins World Series. That ultimately dominates the postseason, and that still may be true. But up again. We're talking about right now, the first month of the season. In October, we might have a different perspective. And starting pitching may be, this, may be the key to winning a World Series. So far, the past few years, it's been the bullpen. Last year, with uh, Kimbrell and Joe Kelly and Nathan Avaldi coming out of the bullpen, I mean, just dominated the Dodgers the year prior to that. The Dodgers bullpen, it was more so about the Dodgers bullpen playing or pitching poorly that defined that World Series than the Astros bullpen really dominated. They were just good enough. And the Dodgers bullpen really collapsed in that World Series. And the Cubs the year before that, their bullpen was absolutely phenomenal. They had a role to Chapman. They, I mean, they had a they had fantastic bridge to Chapman. And they ended up winning that World Series as well. So recent history has told us it's about the bullpen, not starting pitching. And it's not just analytics. The games themselves, the numbers, the stats are showing us. And I know analytics are stats, but they're like, you know, they're dividing decimals by by more decimals. It's a lot of you know up to the eyes, you know, kind of tax tax guy stuff. It's they're really advanced advanced math uh, above my pay grade is what I'm trying to say. But the stat, the everyday stats, the things that we like to look at, the stuff they put on Sports Center, the stats that I think are the ones that actually matter. They're also telling us it's starting pitching it's not the way to win at least in the regular season now i'm going to show you i'm going to tell you these are some of the best pitchers or not some of these are the best pitchers in all of baseball clayton kershaw is not on this list i he was he is also in that upper echelon but um he's had some good starts but um you know he, he missed the beginning of the year with the shoulder inflammation so he's not on this list but however everyone else is here all the best pitchers in baseball are on this list and here are their ERAs. Corey Kluber, 5.80. Max Scherzer, 4.08. Aaron Nola, 5.06. Blake Snell, 
4.31. Jacob DeGrom, the lowest on the list, 3.82. He's had some rough starts, though. And Chris Sale, 6.30. And that has been lowered. His ERA was at 8. So that's actually an improvement on his ERA this season. These are the best pitchers in all of baseball, and they're just getting shelled. And it's been a full month. That's why I brought that up in the beginning of the segment. I don't need to hear, well, it's early, but because it's been a full month. We've gotten a full sample size. Can these guys turn it around before, from now until October? Absolutely. But what they've shown us so far is that starting pitching, is it's overvalued in the regular season. And it's, again, it's only one month, but this is what this first month has shown us. It's better to have a dominant bullpen, three or four or five guys that you can mix and match in any situation, in any scenario, then it's more valuable to have that than to have one or two aces on the staff. And it gets worse for teams like even like Cleveland, who are without Corey Kluber just broke. He got hit with a hundred and I don't even know. He got hit with a line drive yesterday. It was a nasty hit. Broke his arm. He's out indefinitely. We don't know how long. We don't know what the timetable is for that injury just yet. And the Cleveland Indians are also without Mike Clevenger, who's on the um, 60-day now IL. He's out for a while. And I just think, I just look at this list. There's two Cy Young winners on this list, Snell and DeGrom. And a Cy Young runner-up last year, Max Scherzer. And Aaron Nola, who also finished in Cy Young, top three in Cy Young votes. And they're just getting rocked. And yet, all of their teams are really good. The Rays are one of the, they're probably, I think they're right behind the Dodgers with the best record in the league. They have the best winning percentage in the league. Um, the Phillies are in first place. The Nationals are struggling. I will give you that. The Mets are in the mix. And then the Red Sox are struggling. So you see different results with each pitcher. Because the Rays are, I mean, they're, they're one of the most fun teams to watch in all of baseball. And their guy, their ace of the staff, Blake Snell, has been struggling. He's had a few dominant. I think he did have like a 14 strikeout start, but at 4.31, it's been. He's had his his um, peaks and valleys. So, I don't know. And then you look at the Dodgers. Like I said earlier, Clayton Kershaw has been out, and they have the best record in baseball. They have multiple guys that they can throw at you. They were using Caleb Ferguson for a while. Then Julio Arias, who has now gone back into the bullpen. Ross Stripling as well gave him some quality starts. Rich Hill, I think, only made one start this season so far. He's been out. Walker Bueller, I think, missed his first start as well. And he is, I mean, he's not on this list, but he's been struggling also. And the Dodgers have the best record in baseball. So I don't think starting pitching is necessary. And even so the Dodgers, ironically, their bullpen is horrendous and they have the so they just the Dodgers philosophy is just score more runs than the guy than the team you're playing, which is, I mean, traditionally the strategy in baseball, but it's not that easy to execute. But anyway, the point being, starting pitching the regular season this far thus far has not been the key to success. These are all number one starters in the staff. And they all have been struggling this year. And I really, it really jumped out to me. And the one that really, the one that prompted this whole segment of starting pitching was Corey Kluber, because like I said yesterday, got hit with a line drive, broke his forearm, he's out, and they're already missing Mike Clevenger. And the reason I thought that was even more interesting than normal, or you know, it would, it's a big story anyway. Him, Corey Kluber, he's been struggling, then he gets hurt, um, and he's out for an extended period of time. And the Indians are already without another dominant pitcher in their rotation, Mike Clevenger. 
uh, one of the more, most fun pitchers to watch in all of baseball, pure strikeout artist. Um, the reason I brought this up is because I, you may or may not have remembered the Cleveland Indians declined to trade with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Corey Kluber in the offseason. Corey Kluber and I think Carlos Carrasco and Trevor Bauer, their whole starting rotation was basically on the trading block and they weren't sure if they were going to sell and try and rebuild or if they were going to retain all their starters and maybe go all in this year. Um, and the Indians, they were talking with the Dodgers were probably the number one team uh, in those trade talks because they needed a right-handed pitcher. The Dodgers were just loaded with left-handers in their lineup and their starting rotation. Uh, so they were looking at Corey Kluber. The Indians wanted Alex Verdugo, Jock Peterson, and then still more players after that. And the Dodgers kind of said, no, we're not going to, we're not engaging. We're not giving you the whole farm for Corey Kluber. We'll give you Jock. We'll give you uh, Alex Verdugo. And we'll give you maybe another time. I don't know who the prospect is was at that point. It might have been Kyber Ruiz. It may or may not have been. But, the, you know, the Cleveland Indians, they wanted the whole farm. And the, the Dodgers, they had pulled out. If you're the Cleveland Indians, if you can go back in time to this winter and redo those trade talks, would you or would you not have taken Alex Verdugo and Jock Peterson straight up, a two-for-one for Corey Kluber? Jock Peterson is kind of the, one of the poster childs of analytics baseball now. Home runs, strikeouts, walks. He's not even an everyday starter. I have to let you know, Jock Peterson is he's basically a platoon guy, the way Dave Roberts uses Jock Peterson. Only he's mostly in the lineup with right-handers, rarely gets a start when there's a left-hander, and he has 10 home runs. He's batting 239, which is not great, but he's got 10 home runs and 18 RBIs, 22 runs. That's good for top 10 in the NL as far as home runs are concerned. He's not even an everyday starter. He's got 10 home runs. Alex Verdugo, not an everyday starter as well. But he is batting 300. And he gets even less uh, playing time than Jock Peterson. And he is bad. Actually, his his average went up. He's 342. He's got uh, four home runs, which is not as many. He doesn't have the power of Jock Peterson, but Jock Peterson's got more power than a lot of players. He's got... He's batting 342. He's got four home runs and 16 RBIs. And like I said earlier, Corey Kluber has an ERA of over five, flirting with six. And he's out indefinitely for we don't know how much, we don't know how long. And I just thought that was incredibly interesting. The Indians were getting kind of greedy with the Dodgers and wanted even more. And this is how good the Cleveland Indians starting rotation is. We're not even sure if Corey Kluber is the best starter in the rotation. They have Mike, or they had Mike Clevenger, pure strikeout artist. He's only going to get better. He had a phenomenal year last year. He's taking a step forward this year, then he got hurt. Uh, Trevor Bauer, I think he probably would have won the Cy Young last year if he had not got hurt. He missed like the last month and a half or two months of the regular season. I think he was on pace to win the Cy Young last year. Blake Snell ended up taking over winning that. And they have Carlos Carrasco, who's another strikeout artist in the rotation. Corey Kluber may not even be the best starter in that rotation. He's a former Cy Young winner, and he's a stud. Don't get me wrong, but you have these other three monsters in the rotation. You subtract Corey Kluber, and you add Jock Peterson and Alex Verdugo, and then maybe even one other. The Dodgers were were offering another prospect. The, The Indians wanted like three or four more, and the Dodgers said, forget it, we're out. Um, And even if you're the Dodgers, 
you can't make the argument that Corey Kluber would have gotten hurt because he got hit with a line drive. So he wouldn't have been in that scenario if he were traded. But his ERA still would have been pretty bad, I'm willing to bet. So the Cleveland Indians, by declining that trade or asking for too much and forcing the Dodgers to pull out, they miss out on Alex Verdugo, um, one of the bright young stars already in baseball. He's got a, I mean, he's more of a contact hitter. He's kind of, he's not the analytics home run strikeout guy. He does hit for contact, gets on base. But then you do miss out on Jock Peterson, who hits nothing but dingers left and right. And you wonder how much of a difference that will make on the Cleveland Indians series, uh, season, especially missing Mike Clevenger as well. So now you're down two pitchers anyway. You know, so you kept Mike Clevenger, but he gets hurt. You keep Corey Kluber, and then now he's hurt, and he hasn't been playing well anyway. And mind you, you don't get these two powerful left-handed, you don't get these two left-handed hitters from the Dodgers. And again, it's only the first month, but this is what, I said it was a first-month recap. We're literally talking about what happened in the first month. So a lot can change. Mike Clevenger can come back. He's on the 60-day IL. He may or may not be on there, you know, longer than the 60 days. He's going to come back during the season, of course. Corey Kluber is going to come back during, it's, you know, he's going to come back uh, later in this year. But if you're the Indians, you have to wonder, what if they had taken that trade? The first, and imagine right now, would you have taken even less? Would you have just taken straight up two for one, Jock Peterson and Alex Verdugo for Corey Kluber? With the injury and with his, you know, poor performance. And it's not just him, it's starting pitching in general. And the Dodgers, like I'm, like uh, I keep reminding you, they had the best record in baseball, and their formula has been depth over superstars. They passed on Bryce Harper. They didn't sign Manny Machado. They bring in out AJ Pollock, who's hurt anyway. But they have so much depth. They platoon. It, that's the formula to win in the regular season. The Dodgers have been, you know, they've been in the playoffs. They've won the NL West six straight years now. That's incredibly hard to do. And one of the reasons they've been able to do that is because of their depth. And the Indians chose starting pitching over depth. And they are not one of the best teams in baseball as we speak. So it's time for the quote of the week. Uh, we do this every single week. or well, not every single week. We do it when we can do it. Um, when we find the best quote that I saw from the prior week and... You know, that's why it's called Quote of the Week. We find a quote from the week and put it in the segment called the Quote of the Week. And this is how we end the show every single week or most of the weeks. So here we go. Last week was a long one. This one will be a shorter one. It's not going to be 45 minutes. Last week was like the half, more than half the show. This, this time will not be that. So here we go. Quote. Hand over the suitcase, Stark. Quote. Matthew Barry. ESPN fantasy football expert playing unnamed shield slash Hydra agent. Um, last week we did, uh, we had Ben Babaduke on the show. We had him on there. He did some sports stuff with us, but we had him mostly to talk MCU. You might've loved it. You probably despised it. I don't care. We had a lot of fun. We're not going as in depth on the Avengers this week as we did last week and probably will never go that in depth uh, unless you know this whole thing fails and we decide to make a movie podcast which is still currently up in the air but anyway uh, we went to go see the movie it was a great movie by the way you got I'm not going to spoil it I'm not going to talk about the movie itself outside of this um, in case you haven't seen it because you probably I mean you may or may not have seen it I don't know I don't know who I'm talking to currently but if you have seen it you know what we're going to get into if you don't 
uh, minor spoilers. It has nothing to do with the really with actually the plot, but there is a sports tie-in. It's not like last week where we were just literally talking the Avengers and that's it. There is a sports tie-in here. So Matthew Barry, um, one of my idols, it's a fantasy football god. Okay, uh, you may or may not know who that is. He's on ESPN. He comes on there. He has a show every single Sunday morning, their own fantasy pregame show. He's got the fantasy show on ESPN Plus, which is a fantastic show. I was so bummed out when they took it off the air and put it on ESPN Plus because uh, I don't got it like that, so I don't have ESPN Plus. But fantastic, very funny guy. He's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, I think his Twitter at is Matthew Barry TMBR. I'm not quite sure on that, but I go f- look him up on Twitter. He's in the movie. Spoiler alert. I already said spoiler, so it's not a, if, if you got a spoiler, then that's on, that's on you because I already said spoiler. He's in the movie, and I was so I was laughing. I was so excited. It was kind of strange how quickly I recognized it was Matthew Barry. Like, he was on screen, and immediately I said, that's Matthew Barry, and I was, I think, I don't know how loud I, I said it. I'll have to ask Ben how loud I said it in the theater because I know for a fact I was the only person in that whole entire building, not just our theater, but the, the whole person, the only person in that whole building who knew who Matthew Barry was let alone recognized him in the movie. It was kind of weird how quickly I recognized him, but he's in the movie. He plays a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. slash Hydra agent. Uh, I'm not going to go in-depth on why he's there because that would be a spoiler, but he's in the movie. Matthew Barry, Mr. Roto himself, is in Avengers Endgame. It's, it's fantastic. So I was excited to see that. Um, you know, I was really, really happy for him. I don't know him personally, he seems like a really cool guy, like a really genuine guy. If he plays fantasy football, he's probably cool. So that's, that's you know, kind of my bar for meeting new people. If they play fantasy football, they're okay. If they don't, stay away from them. So Matthew Berry, definitely a cool guy. I was really happy to see him in the movie. That was a nice surprise, and it was really only a spoiler for me. Like, if someone had told me Matthew Berry was in the movie, I kind of would have been kind of bummed. Because for me personally, I love the MCU and I love fantasy football. So that would have been a spoiler specifically for me. You might have had this spoiled for you. You may not have seen the movie, and you probably don't even care. So if not, that would be an ideal scenario for me because I'd hate to be a spoiler, uh, you know, a person who spoils the movies. But it's not a huge plot point. I will say that Matthew Berry in the movie is not going to ruin the whole end game for you. I promise you that much. Um, And then he went after that same day. He went after and dragged one Shady McCoy on Twitter as he should have LaShawn McCoy. So I told you there was going to be a sports tie into this. Avengers segment. I Psychic Steve knows what he's doing. We didn't just do that for fun last week. We knew there was going to be some sports tie-ins. Um, LaShawn McCoy blatantly, shamelessly, goes out on Twitter and spoils the movie. Like, I mean, human scum. Who does that? This is one of the most, probably, honestly, the biggest cultural event since, like, Woodstock. It really is. I mean, I might, it sounds like I'm gassing it up a little bit too much. No pun intended talking about Woodstock. But... This is a huge event. This is a huge movie event. It's already, like I said, it's been out for a week and it's already the sixth highest grossing film of all time. And it's only been one week. This is a monumental event. And this LaShawn McCoy went out and spoiled the movie. Not like me. I did a minor spoiler, but it kind of in support of Matthew Barry. And it's not technically a spoiler, really. Um, LaShawn McCoy spoiled the movie. If you've seen it, the movie, and you've seen his tweet, you'll agree with me. If you haven't seen the movie... Do not look at his tweet because he will absolutely ruin the movie. I promise you this Matthew Berry stuff is not going to ruin the movie for you. Um, LaShawn McCoy will. And Matthew Berry just dragged him on Twitter, put out all his 
horrendous stats from last year. He had less rushing yards than Josh Allen, the quarterback of that team. Um, he had less big run plays than Tyrod Taylor, I believe. Um, I mean, Matthew Barry just dragged him. And it wasn't just Matthew Barry. It was the entire internet. LaShawn McCoy on the opening day of Endgame was the number one trending topic on Twitter in America because people were just tearing him to shreds. I mean, who does that? On it, and it was like he tweeted three times. Not just once. Not twice. Three times he went out and spoiled it on per- It was just absolutely shameful. And I hope the Buffalo Bills uh, go 0-16 for that. I mean, he should be... Quite honestly, LaShawn McCoy should be suspended from the league. He's at the end of his career. The league does not depend on LaShawn McCoy to sell tickets. He should be suspended, if not banned, from the National Football League. You got to protect the shield. I mean, it's one of the biggest cultural uh, you know, phenomenons going on, or phenomena, in the country right now. Every, even, and it wasn't just us. I know a lot of people were kind of rolling their eyes at us last week. We did the whole Avengers thing. There was plenty of people on ESPN and SportsCenter that were talking about Endgame, which made me feel better about myself. So that tells you how big of an impact this movie is, and LaShawn McCoy goes out and spoils it on purpose three times. So he should absolutely, absolutely be banned from the league. I mean, just shameless. But that's not the point of the quote of the week. The quote, let's end on a positive note. Congratulations to Matthew Barry. He's in an Avengers movie from now until the day that he leaves this earth. He's going to be in the biggest movie of all time. This is the biggest movie in the history of everything. And Matthew Berry is in it. And he has a line in there too. He actually gets a speaking part. And they didn't cut it. Not only is it fantastic, he was on set and they invited him to be in the movie. They kept his part in there. I mean, that's fantastic. So happy for Matthew Berry. Happy for Ma- I said happy for Matthew. I'm so happy for Matthew Berry. Congratulations to him. Uh, you know... Always welcome on the show. He will never come on, but he is definitely welcome. He's helped me out more times than he will ever know uh, as far as fantasy football has gone. I'm sure he's helped you plenty of times, so I was very happy to see Matthew Berry in Avengers Endgame. Definitely quote of the week worthy. This whole segment, this Avengers Endgame segment has gone full circle from last week. So that is the end of our show this week. You can. I'm not even gonna tell you what you can listen on, cause I was thinking last week, why am I telling you what you're gonna listen, where you can listen if you're already listening? Like if you can hear me talking right now, it means you're listening. Therefore, you know where you can listen. So instead of that, I'm gonna leave you with this. Please share the podcast with your friends. That'd be fantastic if you could share and spread the word. Um, it would really mean a lot to me. Really appreciate if you guys could do that. So enjoy the playoff games over the weekend and up until next week tonight you have the Sixers and the Raptors that may not be a very intriguing game on paper but you never know what you're gonna get the game's in Philly so that should add to kind of the ante Joel Embiid plays a lot better at home um so you you know we might see some shenanigans going on so that'll be fun to watch so uh enjoy the games this week I will talk to you next Thursday